everyone. Welcome to Let's Talk About Brand. I, of course, am your host, Christine Gritman, and this is the place where every week we talk with a guest expert about a specific element of branding, especially personal branding. Today's guest is someone I'm very excited about, Jason Falls is definitely a thought leader in the area of influence marketing. He's an influence marketing strategist. And you will notice I said influence marketing rather than influencer marketing. And that is a key difference, as we will discuss. So without any further ado, let's bring on Jason. Hey, Jason, how are you today? I'm great, Christine. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. I'm doing very well. So we were just talking right before I started recording about the difference between influencer marketing and influence marketing. So let's jump right in. Tell us what you feel the difference is with that R. Sure. Well, I think the the, the biggest you know reason that I kind of lead with that when I tell people what I do and maybe how it's different from other people who are talking about influencer marketing is I think the word influencer has become a bit of a bad word in the marketing space for lots of reasons, some of them good, some of them not. Um, but I think when most people, when the average ordinary, you know, small business owner or marketer, not necessarily someone who's in the, you know, the geeking out about all this stuff all day, like you and I sometimes do, but when the average business owner, the average person hears influencers, they think of the, you know, the, the peace sign duck lips crowd, you know, the, those people. Um, and I think it, it distracts them from understanding that while there is a layer, a very superficial layer of very superficial influencers out there that don't do a whole lot for your brand and are all about all in it for themselves and all that attention and whatnot. There is a vast world of incredible content creators out there that are really changing the dynamic of how we communicate with consumers or how we can most effectively communicate with consumers. And so when I've been I've been thinking about this for a long time because I've been doing this for a long time and we can talk about sort of how old uh, influence marketing is here in a minute. But um, as I've been thinking about this over the last few years, I thought, well, it's not really influencer marketing that we're doing. We're trying to influence an audience to take action. So I like to say that the strategies that I build and the philosophies that I throw out there and discuss with people are all about influence marketing because that's the action. That's the goal. That's what we're trying to do. Influencers, meaning social media creators who have accumulated an audience on social networks, are one channel to get to that end goal. But there are lots of others as well. So if your ultimate goal is to influence an audience to take action, you've got your social media influencers that are a channel. You've got traditional media that's a channel. You've got community relations that's a channel. There's lots of different ways to produce influence. So I take the R off the word typically. Also, I feel like one difference as as you sort of started laying it out is influencers, it feels like they're trying to build monetization a lot of times if you're talking about, again, the peace sign duck lips crowd on Instagram. Whereas what you seem to be talking about influence, that opens up to things like B2B thought leaders, things that, you know, obviously you do wish to monetize, but in, in a bit of a different way is, is what I'm gathering from you. And I really liked that you mentioned content creators. I, um, I'd love to hear more from you about that world of content creation and, and how influence can look different in different channels of it, different pockets. 
Sure. Well, I think the the terms now are some, somewhat interchangeable. An influencer is a content creator. A content creator is an influencer. It's just a matter of sort of semantics and degrees. But if you think about it, when you're talking about, let's talk, talk about online influencers, people who create content on social channels, they are creating content on social channels, whether it's, you know, videos on TikTok or, you know, pictures or videos on Instagram or YouTube, or even people who are still writing blog posts or doing email newsletters, they're creating content. And because they are creating content, if they have a unique perspective, if they are engaging, entertaining, et cetera, informative, uh, they are going to collect an audience. Now, it might just be a circle of a couple of dozen of their friends, but it might be a couple hundred people, a couple thousand people, tens of thousands of people. And when it gets to the point to where an individual person who is creating content that engages enough of the right people that you're trying to reach doesn't necessarily have to be hundreds of thousands or millions. It could be just a few hundred people. But if there are a few hundred procurement officers at construction companies and you sell to construction companies, now all of a sudden you've got someone who has influence over them. So when I use the word influencer, a lot of times I'll flip flop it a little bit and say a person with influence or someone who is influential, because again, we're talking about the uh, the effect that they can have on the audience, not necessarily their status as having so many followers on a social network. Content creators, I think, is a much broader term and a much more blanket term for the the channel of people that we're using, because as you alluded to, it could be that we're talking about someone who uh, does seminars and webinars in the B2B space. Well, that's Mm -hmm. content. It's not necessarily something we're going to post on Instagram, but these are also people who are doing, you know, academic uh, research papers. They're doing thought leadership pieces. They're, you know, contributing articles to trade media and things like that. That's all content as well. Even just being in an interview situation like this, even though you are producing this content, I'm a content creator because I'm here providing, you know, some commentary for your, uh, the content that you're producing. So any type, any person who creates content out there for people to consume is an influencer to agree or is influential to a degree. It's just a matter of being able to identify the right ones. Hopefully, hopefully people are actually consuming their content. (laughs) This is true. But I, but I like your point about how it's not always those public social media pieces of content that are out there for everyone and public. It can be trade journals on paper that you can only access if you're in a certain pocket of academia. Like, I, I love the fact that you're going with that, the, the broader definition of content, because that's, that's really key. One thing that you talked about with different types of influencers and different types of influence. I know one thing that has, of course, blown up. I I feel like it's kind of on the other side of that peak, but people blowing up talking about micro influencers versus macro influencers. And there's nano influencers. I think I fit under the nano influencer uh, category. I'm not sure if I'm nano or micro. There's different lines there. But beyond that, which tends to be very broad strokes, very social media based, very follower count based, I'd love to hear from you a little bit more about the types of influence that we don't necessarily think of when we're thinking of social media influencers, the, the, the B2B, the you know, people who influence different types of action. I'd love to hear more of a dive from you into the types of influence people can have beyond social media. Sure. And again, those terms, micro, nano, influencer, mid-tier, mega, you know, celebrity, all of those terms kind of get thrown about. And in general, a micro influencer is, you know, someone who has probably beneath, let's say, 
25 or 30,000 followers on a social network. That's how other people define them. Um, and, and then I've also actually seen some, uh, uh, you know, micro influencer uh, agency and or managed services out there that say our definition of a micro influencer is anyone who will post in exchange for products and you don't have to pay them. So there's lots of different ways to define that. I like to think of uh, the, the group of people that you're trying to find as a brand, as a company. Uh, to influence your audience. I don't like to put, you know, a classification of size, micro, nano, et cetera. And the reason I don't is because if you are the parent teacher store franchise owner in Butte, Montana, then a local social media influencer who is a mid-tier or a mega influencer who has a few hundred thousand followers on Instagram is going to do you absolutely no good because one little sliver of their audience is going to be in Butte, Montana, where your store, you know, audience that you're trying to affect and influence actually is. If you are the, the parent teacher store franchise owner in Butte, Montana, more than likely the most influential people you need aren't even going to be on social networks. They're going to be the president of the local PTA. They're going to be local dentists who talk to parents all day, every day. They're going to be people within your community that have an impact on the local parenting community, because that's the only parenting community you care about is that in Butte, Montana. You don't care about someone who can reach, you know, a hundred thousand parents across the country because they're not coming into your store. So you have to define ultimately who is our audience that we're trying to reach, which is a very familiar brain in any type of marketing or branding? Who are we trying to reach and who has influence on a particular audience? It doesn't matter how many social media followers they have, whether or not they're mid-tier or micro or nano. It just matters, do they impact the audience you're trying to reach? And that sometimes is going to be offline influential people, not necessarily people with an audience. Now, to that end, you are an influence marketing strategist. So you help people figure out how to leverage influence and possibly how to partner with influence in order to achieve their goals. What, what does that look like in practice? What is it? What do you, who do you typically help and how do you typically help them? Well, it's sometimes it can be pretty messy, honestly. But um, you know, there there is a um, sort of a degree of predictability and expectations that people can probably think about. Okay, if I am a let's say I'm a consumer product good, um, and I ultimately you know my I ultimately sell to retail stores, but I need to create demand from consumers to go into those retail stores and purchase products. So in a situation like that, whether it's a regional footprint or a national footprint, I'm obviously going to try to find social media influencers, but perhaps also maybe even category experts in the sort of trade, you know, B2B space, depending upon, you know, what my message is and, and what I'm trying to do, because you can use influence marketing the way you can use any other kind of marketing. You can do it to create brand awareness uh, for your products and service or your brand out there. You can do it to actually drive uh, retail sales and online orders and offline foot traffic and all that good stuff. But I'm a communications you know, guy by trade. I'm a PR pro. So I also bring to the table a lot that you can use it to change the way people think. And it might be about your brand or your product or, or service, but it might also be about an important political issue that affects your company or your community that you're trying to get behind. So, um, 
a lot of times it's going to be, hey, let's go out there and find uh, social media influencers with big audiences that we can, you know, create awareness and or some call to action and, and conversion around this brand. It might be that there's a Let's say there's a local, uh, you know, a business with a sports gaming or, or gambling interest and they want to influence local people to vote a certain way on a ballot issue. Or it could be in the B2B space where you're really trying to kind of reframe the reputation of your company. There's a great case study that I actually wrote about in my book. Uh, of a facilities management company called Mighty in the United Kingdom. And they had a reputation of being a supplies, kind of a mop and bucket company is how they uh, termed it. And what they did to fight that was they reached out to a bunch of experts in the facilities management space. And there are apparently a lot of them out there. And they got their reaction to some research and some quotes from them for a report that they put together. They put a lot of effort behind getting these expert opinions for this report and then engaging a few of those quote unquote influencers within that space to go to trade shows with them and help, you know, sort of take that message out there that Mighty was a much bigger company than just supplies. And at the end of this, you know, year or campaign, however long it was, they measured their sort of reputation score. And I don't know exactly how they uh, delineated it, but they had a 200% increase in sort of the positive uh, reaction to the brand's reputation. They got rid of the mop and bucket moniker and became known as an innovative, forward-thinking software company that serves facilities management as well as all of the other things they do. So again, it's 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 the day-to-day of doing, and I didn't have anything to do with the Mighty campaign, by the way. That was a case study that I researched for my book. Um, but the day-to-day can be everything from, again, trying to change the opinion of a certain segment of the marketplace. It could be creating awareness around a product launch or a, a new service or something like that. Or it could be, you know, sort of complementing your advertising campaigns to kind of close that loop and make sure that you're hitting consumers at multiple touch points. Influencers online being sort of that trusted third party endorsement that you often need to convince people, hey, all these ads you've been seeing about Liberty Insurance, there's a couple of people out there that I trust that I follow that are now telling me why they use Liberty Insurance puts a little exclamation point on that message. So how do you identify the people, especially in those niche markets? How do you identify the people who are going to have influence over that niche? How do you find them when it's not something as broad as, say, a social media influencer, when it's instead someone who has influence over facility managers? It's a lot of research. Um, You really have to roll up your sleeves and do the work. And so a lot of people think, oh, influencer marketing is simple and easy and cheap. You just find somebody with a lot of followers and you maybe, you know, throw them some product or maybe a little bit of money to post about you. Well, that that's influence marketing from five or six years ago, as, as most brands did it. When you really get into it and you're trying to find, as you said, in those you know sort of niche areas, the people who are actually influential, you got to do a lot of research because it may be that you can find influential people who have social media followings that can, you know, kind of, a you know, kill a bunch of birds with one stone by being able to find that one person that can reach a lot of the marketplace. But again, if you're in a B2B setting, a lot of B2B influencers are not necessarily going to have huge followings online. They're probably going to have a really nice following within that 
that niche within that category, but there's not influencer marketing tools out there in general that drill down that specifically. You can use some of them to kind of point you in the right direction, but a lot of times you spend time, like if I'm doing a B2B strategy, I'm going to spend a lot of time on industry trade publications. Who's writing those articles? Who, what are the experts that those journalists are turning to for insights and quotes about that particular topic or about that particular industry? I'm going to go to the popular conferences and see who's speaking, who are the keynotes, who are the experts that people are paying to see on stage, because those are the people that obviously people are listening to. Um, so you're going to dive into the academic journals. You're going to maybe even you know work the phones one day and call a bunch of people in the industry and say, hey, who is it in the industry who's kind of leading the thought right now on what's going on in your business, on, on where the industry's going? And if I don't particularly know that that vertical on the, on the get-go from the start, I spend a lot of time on the phone just asking a lot of questions, literally on a telephone. I know it's kind of rare for people to understand what that actually is. You can is. actually speak on those still? You, They're not just can, hitting buttons? If you, if you dial the numbers of someone and hold it up to your ear, or you can do the speakerphone, just don't do it in public. That's rude. Yeah. Um, but you hold it up to your ear and talk. They'll talk back. You can hear them. It's amazing. Wow. Um, but I'll get a lot of these people on the phone and just be like, tell me about your industry? What publications do you read? What conferences do you go to? What experts in the field are you connect to on LinkedIn? Who uh, also get into the LinkedIn groups? Who's leading these groups? Because a lot of times they may not individually hold a bunch of influence themselves, yep. but they are a conduit, a path to a lot of people. They're curating because they manage. Yeah, they're curating the conversation. There's a lot of different influencer types out there that you have to consider. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs and medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Do you help people develop influence themselves? I know that this is about leveraging existing influence to up the reputation of the businesses, but I'm sure a lot of those businesses want to develop their own internal thought leaders or whatnot. So how do you help people slash businesses develop their own influence beyond connecting them with those with existing influence? I'm really glad you asked that question because the the answer is yes, I do that too, because ultimately in an ideal world, uh, when you engage an influence marketing strategist or an influence marketing firm to help you, you're trying to solve some short-term problems with some campaigns and some awareness and exposure. 
but a really good influence marketing strategist is going to sit down with you and help you figure out how do we make it so that you're not as dependent on the third parties because you have influence yourself, either as a company or your executives have influence within the industry you're in. And certainly there's a lot of, of thought process that goes into that, but it's more of a long-term, let's build this over time. Let's come up with a supplement to, or maybe a brand new content strategy for your executive team or the individuals within your organization that you've identified as these are our experts. These are our thought leaders. Let's build their personal brand, if you will, uh, to make sure that they have expertise in the category as well. So it might be that I'm developing an influence marketing strategy to help a company get the word out about their products and services. But a part of that is also let's supplement their content strategy to make sure that we're building up their influence as well. And that's why you'll see a lot of companies come to the market with hosting webinars and seminars in the B2B space, maybe doing a podcast and having someone from the company be the official face and voice of the podcast, because it's a great way to get your own sort of expertise and thought leadership out there. And if you're doing a show like this, if you're interviewing people, you can bring the the people who already have influence to the table and kind of borrow some of that equity because you are bringing them to that audience. So there's lots of different strategies in order to achieve really good influence marketing success. Some of them are going to be, let's go find these third party people who are influential, but some of them are also going to be, let's build influence for ourselves. So we're not always dependent on someone else for that. Now, one of the great frustrations of the content creator is that if you build it, they will not necessarily come. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a little hard to build influence if nobody's watching or listening, right? So what are some ways to make sure that you can actually leverage that influence building content and actually make it something that builds influence as opposed to something you're just putting out there into the ether? Well, there's there's lots of different strategies, but I want to start with the one that most people, you know, end up coming to at the very end, because I think few more people hit their head against the wall about this particular piece of it than anything else. You have to put paid spend behind your content. You're right. If you build it, they will not come. If you build it, they might come, but they'll only come if you promote the living daylights out of it. And so whether it's creating content, maybe it's a video series, maybe it's a blog, uh, you know, post or articles, maybe it's, um, you know, maybe it's the content you're doing on social media. It's only going to organically get in front of the people who already know who you are. And that is not the best form of marketing unless your whole focus is about retention. Right. If you are trying to acquire an audience, acquire customers, grow your influence, you have to get in front of people who don't know who you are. And I'm sorry, as much as as the the social media talking heads over the years have perhaps tried to convince you that social media is free and easy and organic. It is, but the the growth there is going to be barely incremental and, and maybe steady over time and maybe not. If you, however, have really good content that is targeted to a specific audience and you go to LinkedIn or YouTube or TikTok or Facebook or Twitter or with your, you know, or, or go to Google pay-per-click ads for your blogs and your, you know, off social network sites and you put paid spend behind it, dial the targeting in as best you can to make sure 
that content is getting in front of the people you want it to be in front of, now you're going to be able to see growth. Now you're going to be able to see an increase in followers, an increase in readers, an increase in viewers, and you're going to be able to sort of test and iterate around that budget every month. Maybe it's just 20 bucks a month and that's fine. Start small, figure it out until you say, hey, for every $20 I put into this, I get 250 more X. Okay, well, then put 40 in and see if you get 500 and then put 60 in and see if you get 750. And if you do now, you've got a formula and you can budget for it and understand if I want 10,000 people to see this, here's my budget. So that leads really nicely into the next question, which is where do people tend to go wrong? People or businesses, where do they tend to go wrong when it comes to how they approach influence marketing? As you just said, failing to promote it. Um is a huge one. And it's one that I myself have been guilty of for sure (laughs) various times. So where are some other places that businesses and or people, whether they're on the wanting to leverage influence side or develop influence side, where are some places they go wrong very commonly? Well, obviously the first one, which we just touched on is not putting paid spend behind it or assuming you're going to get organic success right out of the gate. So that's number one. We can move past that one. I think the next sort of category of mistakes I see businesses and brands making with influence marketing is number one, they are in the old school way of thinking that it's a sponsored post. I'm going to pay this person a couple hundred bucks and they're going to post about my brand and my influence marketing is done and I can move on with my day. That's not how influence works. Influence is about cultivating a relationship with creators over time that are a really good partner fit for your brand. They're on brand, if you will. Um, They have they want a relationship with you. They want to contribute to your brand. Maybe you put them on, you know, some sort of committee. Maybe you uh, get their uh plug them into your uh, R&D, your product R&D team, so that they're constantly giving you feedback. Give them a little ownership in what you're doing. Nurture that relationship over time so that two or three years from now, when you've got a big thing that you've got to get out to the world, it's not about how much you have to pay them to post on your behalf. It's about reaching out to your partner, your influence partner, and saying, I'm really excited about this new thing. Let's get you baked into it. The money and the budget and the per post fees and all that kind of stuff will take care of itself. The mistake is thinking of this as an advertising channel only, and I'm just going to throw money at it and they're going to post on my behalf. Work that relationship, bring them into the fold, make them true ambassadors for your program, and you'll start to see a lot more exponentially growing added value to any sort of official sponsorship you might have with them. The other thing that really frustrates me about the influence marketing space, you have a couple of different tiers of people that help you. You've got the influencer marketing software uh, programs, which help you find influencers in certain categories. And some of them are fully baked where you can actually do contracts and approve content and manage all your influencer marketing stuff for social media networks within these softwares. And they do a, a lot of them do a fantastic job. But there are also managed services. And this is where these software companies, sometimes agencies say, all you need to do is give us a creative brief and direction and we'll handle it all for you. Now, my problem with the managed services is typically they come back to you with that sort of, you know, very transactional advertising approach to influence marketing. We're going to go out and get you 20 creators and they're going to create five posts each. And that's going to cost you this much money and we can promise you this many impressions. There's nothing strategic about that. There's no strategy baked into that. It's just, let's go see how many posts we can buy. 
right? There's also no creative execution. There's not an idea that brings those 20 people together and allows them to successfully communicate a concept uh, to much more than just their audience. So the selling point that I bring to the table for people is typically I'm going to bring real strategy that ladders up and you need to look for people and agencies and partners who will bring you real strategy that ladders up to your overall marketing strategy that has a concept behind it that answers the question of why, not just who and how, not just when, right? Um, And then lays a creative concept on top of that, that instead of says, we're going to find 20 people to post five times, it says, we're going to find these 20 people. Here's why we're choosing these 20. They're going to post this many times, which is kind of secondary to the greater point, which is we're going to have them talk about this in this way to their audience. We're going to have them, you know, tag and cross post with one another. We're going to bring them together to tour your factory at the same time. So they meet each other and now they have relationships based on your brand that they can go back and forth with. You're going to have someone bring a creative concept that lays on top of the tactical transactional execution that actually brings that strategy to life and actually makes it work for your brand. Speaking of making it work for your brand, what are some ways to measure the impact of that influence that you're building? Well, there's a, there's a bunch of uh, what I would call, you know, sort of tactical KPIs that you're going to look for, uh, which is pretty common. And it gives you a good idea of, are you having an impact? Um, But I want to talk about how you plan for that in just a second. So you're going to talk about things like, okay, branding and awareness. If your goal is to create awareness, you have to measure awareness KPIs and awareness KPIs online are going to be how many people are paying attention to us. So how many followers do we have? Do we have an increase in followers? What is the reach and impressions of the messaging, right? Um, Are there people engaged? What is our engagement rate? How many people are not just seeing the content, but doing something with it? How many views of the video though? All those are sort of tactical things. But again, if you're, if you're creating branding and awareness is, is your goal, then you also have to say, well, how many people on the front end are actually aware? You know, what's our count now? Is this a brand new product and nobody knows anything about it? Okay, that's fine. Then you, then you have a zero to start with. But if you've been in business for a while, you need to understand, okay, we're trying to create awareness. Well, how many people are aware of us now? And when you try to measure another big mistake I see to kind of tag on to the last question is a lot of people will say our goal is awareness, but they say, well, then how much did we sell? Because if your goal is awareness, then it's not measured in dollars and cents. It's measured in how many more people are aware. So you've got to measure to the goal. Now, if your goal and your the ultimate thing you care about is how many units did we sell, then your goal is conversions. Your goal is driving retail sales, you know, getting customers, getting leads, getting downloads. That changes the way you go about and sometimes changes the influencers and creators you choose in influence marketing. So understand that you've got to measure to the goal. Um, But also, too, when you add that third layer in there, which I talked about earlier, which sometimes you're trying to change people's opinion. Well, you have to have a mechanism on the front end to know what that opinion is and how many people think that way. So you've got to do surveys. You've got to look at Q scores. You've got to look at, you know, all of the sort of research things that tell us what the market is telling uh, us about how people talk about us and think about us so that after your influence marketing campaign or execution, you can then compare it to something. And that brings me to my final point about measurement. There is no way that you can be satisfied with any marketing campaign, influence or otherwise, if you do not start with measurement. 
you, you set your goal. And then as soon as you set your goal, here's what we're trying to accomplish with this campaign. Immediately after that, before you think of anything else, how are we going to measure to that goal? And, and if you do that on the front end, if you plan to measure, what that allows you to do is set little data traps along the way so that during and immediately after, you can immediately look and say, we started here, we ended here. That's an increase. We accomplished that much progress toward our goal. If you don't do that on the front end, if you don't plan to measure and you just say, oh, we'll look at how much web traffic we have. We'll look at how many you know, units we sold. And you haven't tied all that into the strategy, the goals, the objectives, the executions, the KPIs. It's kind of like getting to the end of the driveway with your family and saying, okay, where are we going on vacation? You don't have maps. You haven't bought tickets. You haven't accounted for who's going to feed the cats. You don't have any luggage, right? You, you have to plan to measure. And if you don't do that, you're going to get to, no matter what you do, you're going to get to the end of it and go, eh, we didn't do a great job with that. I wasn't really satisfied. And then you're going to scrap it and do something else that's going to waste your time and money because you're not going to plan to measure there either. Oh, I could go on about this forever with you, Jason. Thank you so much for all of your insights today about how to really make sure that you're being strategic with how you leverage influence. Um, where can people get a taste of your own influence? Where can and should people find you? <laughs> I am Jason Falls everywhere. Um, there's a politician in North Carolina with the same name who does not like me at all. Uh, so I'm very easy to find. Um, if I'm not Jason Falls, I think on my official Facebook page, although I'm Jason Falls on Facebook, but my page is the Jason Falls. And I think on TikTok, I'm the Jason Falls as well. So super easy to find jasonfalls.com. Um, and if you're interested in uh, me working with you and helping you, fallspartners.com is the consultancy website. Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing your influence with me today. Glad to do it, Christine. Thanks for having me. And as always, I am Christine Gritman. Come back next week for another great conversation with another guest expert about specifics of how to build your brand, your influence in a way that matters. Thanks for listening to Let's Talk About Brand, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and Acast Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Christine Gritman, executive produced by Al Manorino and John Heil, and edited by Christine Gritman. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcasts. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com.